0: Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles.
1: what's going on everybody welcome back to candlestick chronicles the san francisco 49ers podcast on the blue wire network my name is chris biederman i cover the 49ers for the sacramento Bee. with me again it's kyle madsen the content czar of niners wire of the usa today sports media group kyle what's going on man how was your weekend oh it
2: was great i did my taxes i paid uncle sam which is great um and, uh that's, uh, that's, that's it. I went to an A's game One took in some baseball, got away oh, from the wow. football
1: life for a while. Yeah. Nice. Did Chris Davis he hit a Homer?
2: He did not, not at the game I was at Mark Canna did though. And he unleashed a nasty little bat flip with it, which was great to, to witness in person. So
1: I, I saw the lip reading things on social media. Did he actually say it's bat flipping season? Cause that's pretty remarkable. I didn't
2: see that, but I really, really hope he did.
1: Yeah, he like flipped the bat and then as he was running looking at the ball and he's he's uh doing his uh his batting gloves, it looks like he says it's bat flipping season. Hilarious.
2: Yeah. I hope he did.
1: Yeah, we need more I'm, more things I'm like start, that. I'm gonna start saying
2: that whenever I do anything. <laughs> you should. Like after I check in at the gym and I get my cause it's a finger scanner. Mm-hmm. And I do that on the first try as I walk away. I'm just going to go. It's bat flipping season. <laughs> <laughs> just tell the attendant. I actually I, I have That's the bat flipping season shirt. Oh, nice. That that 500 level released and I wore it today. So. Wow.
1: Full circle. Serendipity. Yeah, man. Cool. Yeah, it was great. Um, It is April Fool's Day. We are not going to bring any April Fool's jokes here because April Fool's is stupid it's really Uh, bad yeah it's not good everything we say is for reals yeah and and it's just like a terrible mix april fools and twitter are just a terrible mix yeah like there there's no there's no real way to like delineate sarcasm on there like you can make you either have to make a stupid joke or make so it's obvious or make a joke that like could be real but no one's really sure and then people just get upset You've inspired like, a tweet. Well, I'm doing a tweet right now. And only troll, trolls think it's funny. So um, April Fool's is dumb. That's our April Fool's take. Uh, there's hasn't been a ton of news since we last spoke to you guys uh, last week in Arizona for, from the owners' meetings. Uh, there was a, a notable tidbit from Albert Breer in his weekly column for uh, the Monday Morning Quarterback. He said that he was told that Richard Sherman was no better than 80% last year. Uh, which makes a lot of sense. Sherman was still really good. I think he led pro football Focus's uh, metric in in yards allowed per route runner per coverage snap. Um, and, you know, he was obviously one of the probably the best player in the 49ers secondary throughout the year. Um, I would say that metric might be a little skewed by the fact that the 49ers sort of had a revolving door at the other cornerback spot and teams were really eager to pick on Akella Witherspoon and Jimmy Ward and Greg Mabin um and even Tarvarius Moore towards the end of the year. So I'm curious to see, and and Breer also said, uh Sherman had surgery to have sutures uh initially put in as part of his rehab removed from from his Achilles area, and that he's feeling a lot better. So obviously Sherman will have a full offseason healthy, and and you know, last year obviously he was working back rehabbing through that Achilles tear suffered the previous November. So a year removed from the injury, getting more time under his belt. Um, he, we should see maybe a better version of Richard Sherman, even though he just turned 31. I want to say it was last week. Yeah. Um, so he's obviously getting up there in age, but I would expect uh, a, a healthier, maybe more spry Richard Sherman this year, um, which, <clears throat> you know, could put even more pressure on the the cornerback position opposite him on the other side of the field, because you know, the 49ers badly need those guys, uh, Kella Witherspoon, Tarvarius Moore. I think Jimmy Ward's probably more likely to play safety this year than cornerback, um, but the 49ers, and Jason Verrett, too, um, you know, who also has his injury issues and is coming off an Achilles tear, suffered last summer. Uh, but I think my main takeaway is that, you know, a good Richard Sherman's obviously good news for the 49ers, but it's going to put a ton of pressure on the shoulders of of the guys opposite him.
2: Right. And that's, I think, good. I think that's what the 49ers want. Kyle Shanahan's talked a lot about competition and, and cultivating that in camp this year. And I think the better Richard Sherman is, the better he's playing on that other side, the more it ramps up the competition uh, on on the side opposite of him. So I, I for sure think that getting any form of improved secondary play is good for the 49ers. But I think the ripple effects of Sherman taking a step up and maybe looking a little bit more like his old self in in 2019 is going to be good for good for the entire secondary.
1: Yeah. And one thing uh, I think we've probably mentioned this before, but we, you know, we talk about Akela Witherspoon and how well he played his rookie season, which offered the 49ers some optimism in 2017. And and he did play significantly better his first year than his second year. Um, But he was playing opposite Dante Johnson. Who was on the other side? And obviously, Dante Johnson didn't play very well. He got benched, I want to say, in at least two different games Mm -hmm. um, just because he was getting picked on. And, you know, teams were eager to go that way. So maybe, you know, the fact that Akella Witherspoon wasn't the most targeted guy his first year maybe helped him a little bit. Um, And that was obviously not the case last year with Richard Sherman on the other side. So I know there's, uh, you know, a lot of people in the, um, I don't know if the analytics community is the right way to, to describe it, but there, there's a lot of people who believe that the 49ers' most pressing need is, is to upgrade the secondary, and I kind of go back and forth with that. I mean, when it comes to the NFL draft, like the Niners have been very specific in the skill sets they look for at cornerback, mm-hmm. and they have two of those guys, right? They have Witherspoon and Tarvarius Moore, both third-round picks and back-to-back drafts, and I don't know... I mean, if, if there was a guy who made a lot of sense who fit that similar mold, maybe in the second round or maybe in the third round again this year, that maybe they add to that mix. But I, I just wonder, and and the feeling I get is that the 49ers are probably banking on the pass rush, maybe, maybe making the secondary look a little bit better or maybe masking some of their flaws. Yep. Uh, and more experience for those guys is obviously going to be important, but I don't know that. You know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know that they're going to try. I I think they're banking more on getting those guys to improve and getting an improved pass rush uh, and just the overall development of the secondary, whether it be more familiarity with the scheme, um, the coaches maybe dialing things up a little bit differently, relying more on man to man. And I think that's where Jason Verrett comes in. He's more of a man to man guy. He's obviously, you know, I think he's 5'9 or 5'10, not the not the 6'2 corner with the 33-inch arms that Tervarius Moore and Akella Witherspoon are. So it'll be interesting to see. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know that the 49ers are going to throw a bunch of resources in the position in terms of uh, high draft picks. I think rather they're going to hope that the the guys they do have develop and having an improved pass rush perhaps with, you know, obviously with D. Ford, but maybe with, with Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner too if that's the direction they go, then then that's how the 49ers are going to do it.
2: I think something you have to obviously account for with with Verrett as well is whether he's even going to be able to play this year. And and if he is, what kind of level is he playing at? And how many games is he going to get in? He's coming off an Achilles tear. He's had a ton of injuries. And that's something I'm not sure you really want to bank on. So I think the Niners do go that route uh, with a corner in the draft. But I wouldn't be surprised if they wait until like the middle of day three and just take a tall, lanky corner, and just see if they can develop them.
1: Right, and I asked Kyle Shanahan about this specifically at the owners' meetings, like how Jason Verrett fits, given that he doesn't have the the same size and and the long arms of 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 Sherman, Witherspoon, and more. And he basically said some of that stuff is kind of overrated, just like how those guys fit in in cover three and things like that. Jason Verrett, obviously with the chargers playing under coordinator Gus Bradley, they run essentially the same scheme as the 49ers and the Seahawks and Verrett, you know, went to the pro bowl in his second season, uh, really his only fully healthy season that he's been in the league. So he can do it. And, and I know, um, I forget where the clips emanated from online, but someone had, uh, cut-ups of, of Verrett matching up with Antonio Brown and just playing him man-to-man really well. Right. So maybe the, maybe this is sort of a matchup thing. And like you said, there's a ton of risk with Verrett, given he's only played in five games since 2016 and missed all of last year with that Achilles tear. But uh, he'll be further removed from it. Uh, Sherman, obviously, before coming with the 49ers, had that injury the previous November. For Verrett, it was July. So he didn't participate in training camp, all that. So he has a few extra months. In terms of his rehab, the Niners are optimistic about it. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and yeah, you know, I I do agree with you though. I think when you're talking about maybe the third or fourth round, maybe that's where the 49ers go quarterback cornerback, uh, and maybe Greg Mabin is is somebody who's going to be put on the hot seat in terms of in terms of roster positioning and, and the forty six man and things like that. OK, let's move on. Um, we're going to we're going to do- talk about rumors because this is this is rumor season. A lot of people call it silly season because a lot of the things and reports that you read don't really mean anything other than the fact that teams are doing their due diligence. So, for example, you know, the New York Giants this week are or it came out that they're going to meet with Nick Bosa and the Giants are picking six and there really isn't um much of a chance that Bosa lasts till six. A lot of people, obviously, including us, don't think that Bosa is going to last beyond pick number two. So, it, you know, a lot of people say, well, are the Giants going to trade up with the Niners or blah, blah, blah? I mean, maybe, maybe the Giants are considering a move from six to two and maybe they do want Nick Bosa. They obviously traded Olivier Vernon. So the Giants working out or meeting with Nick Bosa is just sort of standard practice, right? Like the Niners are meeting with all the top pass rushers. They're going to meet with Queen and Williams this week. It was reported... Uh, that they're going to meet with him at their Santa Clara facility on Tuesday after having IHOP with him in Alabama a couple weeks ago at his pro day. Um, John Lynch, like we mentioned at the, at the owner's meetings is going to meet with Nick Bosa, Queen and Williams, Josh Allen, uh, Montez sweat too is going to be included in that group. The Niners obviously have 30 visits that they're really going to be starting in earnest this week. Um, uh, Sweat is obviously somebody who's probably going to be in the mix if the 49ers do end up trading down. And that's really why we want to talk about a bunch of the rumors that have sort of been circulating about teams, you know, maybe picking in the top 10 or picking maybe might be interested in a quarterback, which might mean they trade up. And and the 49ers are certainly going to entertain the idea of trading back from number two. I, I don't I wouldn't count on that as as a high probability scenario but i would say if a team offers them a a package they can't refuse as good as nick bosa is i think the 49ers would be more than willing to trade back just the fact just given the fact that they only have six picks in in this year's draft and obviously a bunch of needs that they could use that they need to address Um, so i I think it's it's possible Um, and and so let's take a look the the first one that uh, i think is worth mentioning is the jets have said they're they're very intrigued um, about moving down from pick number three, which is one spot behind the 49ers. And, and that's notable because it could be that if Kyler Murray, the quarterback from Oklahoma, goes first overall to Arizona, like basically everybody thinks is going to happen, then – Three looks like the inflection point because if the 49ers are set on taking Bosa at number two overall, and a lot of people think Bosa is the best overall prospect in this class, so it would be a pretty easy decision for the 49ers to make to pull the trigger on Bosa if he's on the board, then three becomes an interesting uh, sort of turning point. So teams that want to get ahead of maybe the Raiders who might be interested in a quarterback they're, they're doing their due diligence on all the quarterbacks expected to go in the first round, despite having Derek Carr, which is sort of interesting. But maybe teams will be fearful that the Raiders are going to try to move up or try to take a quarterback at number four. Uh, so maybe there's going to be a scenario where the Jets move out of three to get a quarterback. And, and that could impact the 49ers, obviously, because um, maybe another team will see that trade happening and then offer something to the 49ers so they can get their quarterback. Um, do, do you have any idea or, or any thoughts on the, on the Jets maybe being willing to move back from three in any scenarios that, that jump through your mind?
2: That was always a little worrisome for me and the 49ers trade prospects because if the Cardinals aren't interested in trading out of one and the Niners want to trade back from two, I'm not sure how many suitors there will be if the Jets make their pick available. Now, where this gets interesting is if a quarterback needy team does jump up to three. Let's just say the Dolphins. I'm just gonna pick one. Let's just say the Dolphins jump up to three. Now I think that makes the Niners pick even more valuable. Because because now there's another team with a with a quarterback in the top needing a quarterback in the top five. So I think that's the best case scenario for the Niners if they are looking to trade back. But on the other hand I'm not sure if Bosa is available. That it matters who's picking where behind them because I think they're picking Bosa, unless the Raiders offer like all three of their first rounders, or the Giants come in with number six and number seventeen, and like a like a second and a fifth or something crazy. Um, I think the Niners are taking Bosa, so I'm not sure how much it's going to matter what what kind of trading happens behind
1: them. Yeah, I guess, like I said, the only the only way I think it would really matter for for San Francisco is if a team wants to leapfrog who was ever picking at three to get Haskins. Right. Um, So I guess that that's that's feasible. Um, You look at teams. Okay, so let's go through it. Uh, The Giants probably need a quarterback at number six. Uh, The Raiders we mentioned are a possibility at four. The Broncos at 10 uh Cincinnati at 11 Miami at 13 Washington at 15 even though uh there was something their head coach said this or last week at the owners meetings that that we can talk about um the Giants pick again at 17 and maybe that's where they end up getting their quarterback somebody like Dukes Daniel Jones might make sense there um your Tennessee Titans uh at number 19 love my Titans they're not taking a quarterback okay they're not taking quarterback um, yeah, so, I mean, there, there are uh, one of the interesting things that happened last year with, with all those quarterbacks that went early on in the draft was that it really sort of shored up the position for a bunch of teams. So now there are a, a lot fewer, less teams that, I mean, there are less teams now that need a quarterback than, than they did at this point last year. So maybe it means that the trade market is a little bit more dry and less fertile than it, than it was a year ago. Yeah, I think so, and
2: I'm I'm, I just I I I'm having a hard time coming up with a scenario where the 49ers skip on drafting Nick Bosa. Same. That's just, I mean, that's that's what this all really comes down to for me.
1: Yeah, if Bosa's there,
2: and 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 the other thing you've got to you've got to watch out for with these teams needing quarterbacks is they they do the soft tank where they maybe need a quarterback but they're going to select a different player this year and they're already looking ahead to the 2020 class which is supposed to be uh preliminary uh scouting says it's supposed to be really good
1: for quarterbacks yeah who's who's going to be available in in 2020 I haven't even looked
2: uh Justin Herbert from Oregon, who might have been the right. top quarterback in this year's class. Uh, uh, Tua Tungo Vailoa from Alabama. And then okay. uh, isn't Clemson's quarterback going to be draft eligible?
1: No, he has two years left. Sophomore.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. He, yeah, so he'll have two years left. But uh, yeah, so,
1: so yeah, Tua and,
2: and Herbert for sure. Um,
1: so. Yeah, when you talk about the soft tank, I think the team that that screams out, uh, screams that out to me is Miami, and they're picking thirteenth. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's, uh, I guess, the world's most enigmatic backup quarterback. He can look like a top five starter at some points, and then one of the worst starters in the league at others. <laughs> um, so they they went in. They're going into this with him as their starting quarterback, but I think at 13, I mean, they might be, they might be the one willing to, to move up. Maybe if, if Haskins falls a little bit, I think one other thing we should mention is that the giants have sort of, I mean, they're they're people high up in their front office have said that they might be willing to extend Eli Manning, which is insane and live with him as their starting quarterback. Beyond this season. Do they? And he's already (laughs) thirty-eight. Do they watch the Giants? (laughs) Uh that's the that's debatable. Based on what they've done this offseason, it's hard to say for sure whether they've watched every single game intently. Uh yeah, Eli Manning turned thirty-eight in January, so they might be banking on him playing till he's forty. Um which is just crazy. Yeah, it's right? wild, man. I mean, it's really, really crazy. I, I, Dave Gettleman is. I mean, they, they've, they've completely made it look like they're all in on Eli Manning, and, and you know, I, I guess all indications are that that's the direction they're going to go. But I would also say that if you were hoping somebody like Dwayne Haskins was going to land in your lap at number six then all you would be doing is talking about Eli Manning and singing Eli Manning's praises because you would hope that teams wouldn't jump above you to get Dwayne Haskins. Right. Yeah. Um, So maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe there's an element of subterfuge of that. Like, you know the Giants would love would ideally like to have Dwayne haskins available to them at six and not have to trade up um, and particularly with the Jets for whatever reason the the Giants and Jets just don't make deals with each other and the Jets picking at three could be the turning point in the draft when it comes to a team trading up for a quarterback maybe that's what a team like Miami is thinking about doing right um so yeah it's just weird I mean it's I I I honestly don't know if I trust the Giants to to think about it so intelligently like we're gonna put it out there that we love Eli. so Haskins falls to us uh, so a team doesn't jump us to get him. I, I, I don't trust them to, to make that that judgment because it's probably the right one and they haven't they haven't made a good quarterback decision in a really long time it feels like. I don't want to
2: turn this into a Giants podcast, but uh-huh. the MetLife moronicals moronicals yeah it's perfect uh <laughs> but that's good hey is the funniest possible outcome here for, for getting the top five if the Giants pick at six and Dwayne Haskins is on the board or Kyler Murray the funniest possible outcome is they select DK Metcalf right
1: yeah or Rashawn Gary like someone who we don't know that's good at football was just like a freak athlete yeah that that I think just like, but there was a report that says they're leaning towards a pass rusher at 6 which is also another thing that like makes me think they're going quarterback
2: I hope so for the sake of that fan base (laughs) but the 4-3 yeah yeah
1: Yeah, I just don't I I don't know what they're doing it's the Giants the Giants are fun though like I, I really enjoy when there's a team that just like makes a ton of like what the hell decisions you know, like that, that everyone is like, what are you doing? Like, it's really that it's fun when there are teams on opposite sides of the spectrum, like teams like the Patriots and the Eagles um, who do a bunch of smart stuff. And then teams on the other side who just just keep doing dumb stuff like forever. It was the Browns. Right. And now the Browns are on the other side of that. But now it looks like it's the Giants, just the team that's like, just just we're just going to do a bunch of dumb stuff because that's, you know, we're we're stuck in the, the late 1990s and you know, where we prefer and the Raiders too. Right. Like the Raiders are probably falling into that. The thing that's, the thing that's fascinating
2: about the 49ers, when you talk about teams making good decisions and teams making bad decisions is the 49ers are like on the fence, right? Like they're teetering between making a bunch of good decisions and making a bunch of bad decisions. Because like when you look at the Garoppolo trade so far, I guess, good decision. Second round pick for your franchise quarterback, assuming he can stay healthy. Okay, that's fine. George Kittle, that's good. But like Solomon Thomas, like that wasn't great. Uh, the Ruben Foster thing did not work out. Uh, that's a swing and a miss on the first two first round picks of this regime. And I think 2019 is going to be the turning point of whether the 49ers fall into that. Oh my God, look at all the terrible decisions they're making. Or holy crap, look at how quickly they turn that thing around.
1: That's a really good point, and I think that sort of leads to the idea that it might be smart for them not to overthink it. Yes. Right. And if, and if Bosa's there, just take him because he in, in a year where a quarterback doesn't go number one, Bosa's clearly the top prospect in the class and you just take the best guy you can. And it just so happens to fit a position in need. And then you're looking at D Ford, DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa along your defensive line in rotation with you know Solomon Thomas I think Solomon Thomas could be a fine like rotational guy and I think if you have really good players around him which the 49ers would in this scenario you might be able to get good production out of him when when he can have you know more one-on-one scenarios rather than where he's sort of out on the edge and on an island where he doesn't really fit um if you get him matched up one-on-one with a guard I think ideally that's that's where he's going to excel the most, and and maybe the same thing with Eric Armstead. You you have a rotation of like six or seven guys along the defensive line that could be pretty good, um, and ultimately mask a bunch of the deficiencies the defense has had in recent seasons. So, yeah, I think I think that's a, that's really smart in what you said. In that you know they could get really cute with this and move back, and then you know say they they do move back to six, um, and. Say it's Josh Allen, or say it's Montez Sweat, or Brian Burns, or someone like that. I mean, if those guys aren't a star, and then Nick Bosa turns into like a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, like his brother Joey looks like he'll be, then you're. I mean, that that's to the point where okay, two two out of the the three first round picks that you've had, or I guess two out of the three years you haven't hit on your first rounders like you've needed to. Um, that's, that's bad news for, for the front office. Uh, and, and, you know, getting into year three of this thing with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, you maybe start to wonder if Shanahan thinks that maybe I need a more experienced general manager, or maybe I need to shake things up in the personnel department and fireworks start flying.
2: Yeah, this is, I, I just think this draft is, is going to be huge. I think they did free agency uh, about right. They might have, you know, we, we, we've discussed free agency several times, but now when you get into this draft, they just, they have to find a couple of impact starters. Like they simply have to. And trading back to acquire more assets makes sense in theory, but you then need to turn those assets into something. Like having the most draft picks or having, having four picks in the top 50 doesn't count for anything if all those players are bad at football. So I think I think the way they have to do this is is don't worry about trading down Uh, unless unless the Raiders are going to give you three first round picks to move up two spots. And you're moving down to four and, you know, there's still going to be a good player there that you're confident in. okay then then maybe that's something that you can't really turn down. But I think if Bosa falls to two, that's just how they have to do like that's a gift not only to have the second pick to have everything work out that they wound up picking second among all the teams that finished with four wins but then to have nick bosa the consensus number one pick for the like entire college football season suddenly the month before the draft become the number two pick like dude that's two gifts
1: right assuming, absolutely. assuming
2: uh, again i don't want to assuming that bosa is the player that people think he's going to be right because we don't obviously right. know but assuming that he is the best player in this draft you're getting a gift that he falls to you at two like that's something you can't pass up on
1: yeah and from an optic standpoint if bosa doesn't work out I don't know that it would necessarily reflect poorly on the front office because I think it's basically a consensus like throughout the league and just everybody in general that Bosa is the best player in this draft. And so if the Niners were to take him, I think the onus would fall on Bosa for not living up to his potential, not necessarily the front office for, for making that selection, right? Because you've had, you know, all a bunch of scouts, a bunch just, just everybody you talk to, everything you read, um, everyone says it's, that Nick Bosa is the best defensive player available this year. Um, And if he doesn't live up to that, then either he got injured or he came up far short of his, of his expectations. Right. Um, But I don't, I mean, I don't really see that happening just because his brother's so good and and you listen to him talk and just the way he's wired um, and the fit with the 49ers. I mean, if you get him playing next to DeForest Buckner or, you know, one of the other talented defensive tackles that they have, like you're going to put him in a pretty good situation. Yeah. Uh particularly with D Ford on the other side. So I think there there's a chance, I mean with with the Forrest Buckner in particular up the middle and the way that quarterbacks just sort of get pushed to the outside because of Buckner's consistent pressure inside then you're really like you're really going to start cooking with gas. If right. you have two elite edge rushers on the outside.
2: Right. That's that's a necessity and I think there is Going back to what you said, I I fully agree. If they take Bosa and he's not good, I think it's a matter of, well, you know, they took the best player available and it didn't work out. If they trade back, that room for error becomes much smaller. Like if they're moving out of that pick, They have to be getting a pro bowler like that's it. That's that's it. And then if they're moving back again, I'm going to use the Giants. If they get six and 17, they need two impact starters in those two picks to justify the move. Right. I agree. So the the margin for error, the further back they go in the draft becomes smaller and smaller, which is why I I maintain that. Don't try and get fancy. Take the best player on your board. Second.
1: yeah, I would agree with that. And you mentioned the Raiders, just looking at it, if the Raiders did, and I don't think there's any chance that they do this, maybe they give up they, one of their yeah. second round picks. If they gave up four, twenty-four, and 27. I mean, if I'm the Niners, I do that. I do too. But I do it but, because you're probably because you, you would get either Josh Allen or Queen and Williams at four. And then with 24 and 27, you're talking about Maybe getting A.J. Brown, the receiver from Mississippi, who seems like sort of the perfect X receiver or sorry, Z receiver for Kyle Shanahan. And then maybe at 27, you can get Nasir Adderley to fix your longstanding problem or
2: or a safety. Yeah, you could you could effectively in that scenario hit the biggest three holes on the roster with first round picks.
1: Yeah, that would be good. I don't think the Raiders are gonna I do that. I think there's
2: zero chance they do that. They stockpiled maybe, first round picks on but,
1: purpose. They want them. But maybe <laughs> they just love Nick Bosa so much and they could they could say, you know, they could come out of this draft with Nick Bosa and tell their fan base, you know, we instead of paying Khalil Mack, now we have Nick Bosa on a rookie contract.
2: Right. But then it becomes harder to justify really to it. then it becomes harder to justify the uh the the Amari Cooper trade and I just, I I think they're, I think they know they need bodies, which is why they've stockpiled all these early picks to add as many good bodies as they can. So yeah, if, if that scenario somehow arises, sure. But I, I doubt with utmost certainty that it will
1: all right guys we've got an announcement to make blue wire is teaming up with harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably go to harry's.com slash blue wire to save ten dollars on a value trial set which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover you get all of that for just three dollars shipped right to your door enough with the cheap razors it's totally worth trying harry's Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and over-designed. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just
0: $3. This is Mike McGonchie, the San Francisco 49ers. You're listening to the Candlestick Chronicles.
1: John Gruden, man. That guy's been on a roll lately. He has. He's, he, he cried for multiple days. Uh, this is what he said at the owner's meetings. He cried for multiple days after the MAC trade. And then if the team hadn't traded Mac, they wouldn't be able to sign Antonio Brown and Trent Brown. Uh, he even threw Vontez perfect in there, which is like, okay. Like a, it's, it's like a one-year deal, right? Like a, a, a minimal deal for, for a veteran linebacker. Like, no, nah, you, you probably could have, you probably could have kept Kalu Mac and, and signed your, your veteran linebacker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that probably could have happened. Yeah. um, <laughs> Yeah. The Raiders, man. Uh and hey, if that's the
2: case, they need to hope Trent Brown is really damn good.
1: Right. you're going you're going from one of the best infrastructures and coaching staffs to Tom Cable. Oof. who doesn't have the most sterling reputation for his work with offensive lines lately.
2: No, it's not great. <laughs>
1: um, and they made Brown the the highest paid offensive lineman NFL history, which is what the 49ers weren't willing to do. Which is why Mike McGlinchy's on the team and not Derwin James. Right. Um, anyway, are there any other rumors? Okay, so Denver's picking 10th. So the Broncos are at an interesting point at number 10. Uh, they traded for Joe Flacco, but that seems like sort of the mix where Drew Locke's going to go. I know there's been reports of John Elway liking Locke's physical tools and they're going to meet up with him uh they're going to host him for a visit denver I don't, I don't know this sucks i'm not this isn't a good episode for me
2: the thing is John. can John Elway identify quarterback talent like are we sure of that because i've watched drew lock i don't think drew locks very good and maybe I, I mean i'm obviously not a professional but it feels like it would be very Denver if they did whatever they're going to do at 10 and not take a quarterback. And then like at 41 reach for like Will Greer or something yeah. insane like that.
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's no proof that John L Wade knows what he's doing when it comes to quarterbacks. I mean, the Pax and Lynch thing was horrendous for them. Um, you know, Joe Flacco, I, I know Vic Fangio really likes Joe Flacco and, and Fangio obviously, Um, You can go back to Super Bowl 47 and what Flacco did against the 49ers in that game and and his playoff run leading up to that. Uh, But that was a long time ago. And Flacco just got beat out by a rookie quarterback who I mean, Lamar Jackson might end up becoming a very good, versatile, multifaceted quarterback just in terms of how he can be used in the running game. Right. But To get to be a veteran quarterback on a maximum contract, not a maximum contract, but a 20 million plus per season contract, and then to lose your job and get traded. I just don't know what Elway's thinking with like, yeah, this is this is the direction we want to go when the Chiefs are in your division, uh, when the Chargers are in your division, like it's outrageous. Their defense is good, and maybe Flacco. They just need like a game manager, somebody who can who can throw short passes and and keep the offense out of trouble. But like, can he you, even do that? We don't know. Like, are the Chiefs? I mean, are the Chiefs? Do they see Joe Flacco go to Denver, and they're like, oh man, we we are really worried about having Patrick Mahomes.
2: <laughs> Bill Bill, Bill Simmons Bill Simmons has this thing where it's like. Base your reaction to a trade on other fans' reactions. So, like, right. if you're the Broncos, the fact that every team in your division is like, oh, yeah, get Joe Flacco, do that, should tell you, like, don't do that. Right. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I just don't Flacco. understand, man. I don't get it. Joe Flacco. If the Broncos were a normal team that operated kind of on the same wavelength as every other team, it wouldn't surprise me if they tap their Niners connection with Adam Peters and, and John Lynch to try and move up to number two and take a big swing with the quarterback, like just offer the Niners just a war chest of, of draft picks to move up to number two. But a, I don't think the Niners are, are wanting to move back that far and B I don't trust John Elway and the Broncos to take that kind of a swing for a quarterback I get almost seems like they don't value the position it's so weird it's so weird how they how that
1: how that organization moves so if the Niners were to end up trading either CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins Denver would have to be the most logical landing spot for one of those guys right yeah that's that's more what I'm watching
2: from Denver from a quarterback standpoint like if they if they see Flacco is just a one-year stopgap to try and keep them in contention I'm sure I'm sure Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard could be had for like a seventh round pick, right? Maybe a sixth?
1: Yeah, maybe. I think Beathard probably has more trade value. I know people will disagree with me on that, but Beathard was still a far more coveted prospect coming out. Um, and I think people in the league would believe that a lot of Nick Mullins' value is tied directly to Kyle Shanahan. Could it be tied to Rich Scangarello? Right. That's why I think... Scangarello obviously was a 49ers quarterback coach the last two seasons, had a big role in developing both Bethard and Mullins. And the 49ers are going to have joint practices with the Broncos this summer. Uh, and I think those are gonna be in Colorado. So that's really a, a decent situation for, you know, for something like that to get facilitated. I think if the Niners do end up dealing one of those guys, it's probably gonna be right around final cuts. Uh, and the timing could work out. I mean, I'm looking at the the Broncos' depth chart at quarterback right now. Do you, Do you know who their backup quarterback is?
2: Um. Oh, hang on. Is it a name I know?
1: Absolutely. You can't look though. That ruins the fun of it. No,
2: I'm not going to look. It's Joe Flacco. They traded Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. Is it somebody like? Is it like Matt Barkley?
1: It's Kevin Hogan. <laughs>
2: the Pac-12, right?
1: Yeah, Stanford. Uh, Garrett Grayson is their third string quarterback. So, oh,
2: Garrett Grayson, Colorado State legend.
1: Wow, good knowledge on your part. You. I had no idea where Garrett Grayson went to school. Yeah, Colorado State. It's a big, uh, big Pac-12 I believe, contingent in their quarterback room.
2: Uh, you say what you're going to say. I'm going to look on the internet and see if there are any tweets of me calling Garrett Grayson like the steel of the draft. Wait, is
1: Colorado? Colorado State isn't in the Pac-12. No, it? no, they're not. All right, X that from is. the record. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, looking at, at their depth chart, I think it's certainly conceivable that the Broncos would be interested in fine, in either Nick Mullins or C.J. Bethard should the 49ers make them available. And I think they probably will because it's going to be tough for them to keep three quarterbacks on the roster uh, Kyle Shanahan's never done that before, and I don't know that no matter who wins the the backup competition, I don't know if the loser of that competition is going to make it to the practice squad. I don't even I, I'm not sure. I know the practice squad rules have changed. I'm not sure if C.J. Beathard is even practice squad eligible. I don't think he is. I don't. OK, so. Yeah, I mean, the Niners would either have to just cut Beathard outright and lose him and somebody else would sign him Assuredly. And, or this, I think the same would happen with Nick Mullins if they tried to get him back to the practice squad. So yeah, I think, uh, I don't think it's crazy to say that the Broncos with Rich Scangarello as our offensive coordinator would be interested in, in Bethard or Mullins because I mean, Kevin Hogan has not necessarily lit the league on fire since, since leaving Stanford and Garrett Grayson um, certainly hasn't either. And we don't know. I mean, does Kevin? I have no idea. Like watching Kevin Hogan, I don't know that he fits at all. What the <laughs> what Scangarello's offense I'm not, really needs. I'm not sure
2: Kevin Hogan fits any offense. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I just don't think he's very good. Like that that's, that quarterback.
1: Certainly fair.
2: It, I, wow. it their quarterback situation is so bad that if they traded for C.J. Beathard or Nick Mullins, I think their situation improves dramatically like dramatically
1: yeah like that's wild so they went um they obviously did well with peyton manning getting him in 2012 uh elway you know purportedly had a big role in that manning was there for you know four seasons they won the super bowl his his last one that's fine uh brock osweiler started seven games that season Trevor oh. Simeon started 14 games in twenty sixteen, Paxton Lynch started two. Uh Trevor Simeon started ten in twenty seventeen, Brock Osweiler four, Paxton Lynch two, and Case Keenum started all sixteen games last year. Now Keenum's with Washington. Good lord. Um, yeah. I don't think we can say that John Elway knows what he's doing at quarterback at all.
2: <laughs> I I right? I am I'm rolling with the conspiracy theory that he wants to make sure he's the best quarterback in Broncos history so he's just he's just like joe flacco we'll take him yeah i'm in i can get four years of cj bethard i'll take him but wouldn't it Here's be a fourth round pick
1: wouldn't it be impossible to unseat john elway as the best quarterback in in team history
2: oh yeah yeah i i think he's I mean, sort of like somebody that, somebody will argue peyton manning but john it's it's john elway he was there forever he won two super bowls like it's it's Elway. right,
1: right. that would be like somebody being worried that that Joe Montana isn't giving me the best 49ers quarterback in history.
2: Right. Right. Right.
1: Like there, Jimmy Garoppolo could come in and win three Super Bowls, but no one's going to say Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Montana just because Montana was before him and Montana did something that the franchise has never seen before. Right.
2: I mean, I don't really appreciate your Ken Dorsey shade, but I mean, that's
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right. Should we wrap this up? This is kind of a hot episode. Um, you can Thank tell you it's it. the middle of March or the beginning of April, I mean. April Fools. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
2: We're just kidding this whole episode. You idiots.
1: <laughs> yeah. April Fools, <laughs> you're getting a good podcast episode out of us in early April. Um, we are going to hit on the draft a lot more. We're going to start taking some dives into these prospects. Uh, hopefully my voice won't crack in the next episode. <laughs> I and... Gonna say <laughs> And so, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, presumably on iTunes. Um, I believe we're on Stitcher as well. Thank you for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review where you listen to your podcasts. And we will talk to you guys soon.